So we have a great treat in store. Vanita is going to share today's message. She's going to be continuing our series of, I blank out, living and loving together. And today she's going to be talking about the gift of affirmation. This is something that's really in her wheelhouse. So I'm excited to hear her message. Let's welcome Vanita. Good morning, everyone. As Sarah said, my name is Vanita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm super excited about being here with you all this morning. I've been attending the river for about five years. And uh, during the day, I direct a center at New Jersey City University. It's called the Spiker Rubin Women's Center for Equity and Diversity. So today's sermon is centered around the life of someone in the Bible who I find to be a bit of a hidden treasure. Barnabas, as he was so named, impacted many people with his gift of encouragement. And this was during the formation of the early church in the book of Acts during the first century. I can't really remember hearing stories about Barnabas as I grew up, but his legacy helps us to understand the significance and life-giving power of affirming others through our words, through our actions, and even our very presence. The story of Barnabas unfolds after Jesus has made his ascension to heaven, but not before leaving his friends with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit would give them power to be witnesses throughout the world. He told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This message was shared with the Jews as well as the Gentiles, those who were not of Jewish heritage. Now the Christian church began to grow and spread throughout the Roman empire as sermons were preached by apostles or messengers of Jesus, like Peter, Paul, as well as our central character today, Barnabas. Full of that power from the Holy Spirit, they preached about Jesus as they shared messages of his peace and his hope and love. People were added to the church daily or became river partners. If you will, this group of new believers formed a tight knit community. It was really something special. I call it, a combination of communal living and community community organizing at their best. They devoted themselves to the apostles teachings. They fellowshiped. They shared meals together. They prayed together. And if that wasn't enough, they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. As Acts says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. 
They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. We find there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They shared everything they had. They were genuinely living and loving together. It is in this context that we are introduced to Barnabas. We read in Acts 4, 36 and 37. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, Barnabas's name was Joseph, which means he will add, may Jehovah add or give increase. And he was given the nickname son of encouragement by the apostles, both powerful names. However, it was the name Barnabas that stuck throughout the Bible. We see various instances of name changes. Sometimes they were given by God. Other times they were given by other individuals or a particular group like the apostles with Barnabas. Some examples of these name changes include Sarai renamed Abraham renamed Abram renamed. Sorry, you're paying attention. <laughs> Let's try that again. Abram renamed. Thank you. And Saul renamed awesome in the book of Acts. Now these name changes were symbolic and sometimes followed some sort of transformation or transition in a person's life. Names were believed to be a person's life force, which could have a tremendous impact. So it's not simply a name. I'm talking about, but it's who the person is or becomes. So the same holds true for today. The naming of children is so important. People take the time to study names, find out their meanings, decide who they're going to name their child after. And then sometimes people take on a particular name because it holds great significance for them. Let's be clear. Names can either make us or break us. Sometimes we embrace them and sometimes we do not want to be associated with them. Maybe because of who we're named after. Maybe because of some type of trauma. I see examples of this quite often with the college population that I work with. You know, they're getting older, they're coming into their own and they're gaining confidence about their identities. There may be a certain student known by a particular nickname all her life. And by the time she gets to college, she decides she wants to go back to her full name. There may be someone who wants to use a middle name 
instead of a first name. Maybe there is someone who is transgender and as part of the gender they are claiming for themselves, they change their name. That is why in my work, we make it a point to ask our students when possible their name as well as their pronouns. This helps us affirm who they are and it is a gift when we can affirm the identity of others. So names, as you probably could imagine, imagine have been a thing for me. I've had all of the nicknames. My coach in high school nicknamed me Nighty, and it stuck. To this day, people still call me Nighty. My older sister, Yvette, calls me Newt. My younger sister, Faith, calls me Lita. And a lot of people will call me V. So I do like my name. I think it's beautiful to have a unique name. However, some non-affirming people make it difficult at times. And I'm not talking about the people who mistakenly mispronounce my name saying Vanita instead of Vanita. I actually had a friend in high school who used to sing, you say tomato, I'll say tomato. You say Vanita, I say Vanita. Okay. So <laughs> if you mispronounce it, it's fine. I'm talking about the people that make it that that decide within themselves that they're not going to even attempt to learn my name, right? So I'm referring to the woman who on my first day of work at New Jersey City University said when she heard my name, oh my gosh, I'm never going to remember that name. And I said to her, smiling back, yes, you will. <laughs> and some months later, who was calling my name across campus? This same individual. So I want to tell you a little bit, little bit about my name story. So my name was actually the name of a New York-based company doing business back in the 1960s. And we have a slide of some of their products. These are the Vanita products. There are, <laughs> you could get a Vision Peak rain bonnet. You could have wave nets, two come in a pack. And you could have a mini triangle. It's ideal for dress or play. So my mom walked into a store one day and saw these products. And there was something about the products, even though they weren't inclusive, that drew her in. As her story goes, Lucy declares, if I have a girl, we shall name her Vanita. <laughs> mom said there was something special about this name. In her words, I promise you, these are all my mother's words. There was something lovely and warm about this name. She said her baby would be a people person and her child would be popular because this was a brand that she would see everywhere. And hold on, from my mom, she said that the name felt aristocratic and upscale. <laughs> Lucy's words. So since that time, my parents have affirmed me in my name and in the person who they actually raised me to be. So while visiting Kenya, I looked for a picture, but I couldn't find this. Um, with a team from my previous church about 20 years ago, we attended a naming ceremony. It was a very moving and sacred experience. The village elders did not know us 
but through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to bestow names upon us that actually connected with our individual lives. The Swahili name, and I might butcher it, that was given to me is called Jepsor Kashir. It's interpreted as gatherer of the sheep. It was significant at that time because at the church that I traveled with, I was the youth minister. So that was the name that was given to me, gatherer of the sheep. So both of these naming stories hold great significance for me, as I'm sure son of encouragement held great meaning for Barnabas. He sold a field that he owned, so he must have encouraged others through his generosity. Our act of giving to those in need, not always giving from a place of abundance, but whatever we have to give, be it our time, our talent, our treasure, can truly help people embrace their humanity and live. Sometimes that need is simply by being called the correct name. Sometimes they just want to be referred to as the correct pronouns. It can be as simple as sending a text of encouragement. As I was working on this sermon, something made me think about two young women in my life, and I wanted to send them a text to check in on them, one of which is my oldest goddaughter, whose wedding I had the pleasure of officiating a few years ago, and I sent her a note and just let her know how much I loved her and some other things of encouragement, and then my younger cousin, uh, who is in a play this weekend, so I wanted to encourage her, and then I said, oh my gosh, Vanita, you're getting distracted. You have to get back to your sermon, and then as I was working on the sermon, my, the words right, went right to encouragement and affirmation. And I said, that's what I was actually doing because that's what I enjoy doing. So I didn't have to beat myself up for not being focused, if you will. There was plenty of time to affirm them and work on my sermon as well. So as we continue with um, this particular story, we see another instance of Barnabas's encouraging spirit is found during the time when he was in Antioch in Acts 11, 23 and 24. And it says when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessings, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. He encouraged them. He said, listen, stay true to the Lord. And he allowed the Holy Spirit to use him to be a blessing to that church. How beautiful is that? People were being brought to the Lord because of his encouragement Barnabas invested his life with people. His life was steeped in establishing and building relationships. He gave this gift of affirmation in so many ways to so many people. Encourager was who he was and encourage was what he did. Even during times of separation and dispute, we see Barnabas being true to himself taking a line from hamlet to thine own self be true in acts 15 verses 36 to 41 it says after some time 
Paul said to Barnabas, and I love this, let's go back and visit each city, each city where we previously preached and the word, the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. This agreement, disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. So the men, the friends, the brothers in the faith, if you will, went their separate ways, yet still spreading the gospel. Paul took Silas with him and Barnabas journeyed with John Mark, who had served as their assistant. Now, there's something that's very beautiful about this to me, because in my work, I do quite a bit of advocacy for students. And, you know, Barnabas stood firm in making a case to keep John Mark with them rather than disconnect from him. He advocated for him. Maybe Barnabas wanted to help John Mark grow in some area of his life. Maybe He wanted the opportunity to help mentor him. Even though John Mark deserted them, Barnabas did not want to cut him off completely. Isn't that love? Amen. A few years ago, as I was preparing for my 50th birthday, I took to Facebook and created my own social media memoir where I posted for 50 days leading up to my special day. The posts highlighted various aspects of my life. I'd like to share one particular post with you as it relates to today's sermon and my experiences with the New York University, all university, gospel choir. And I have a couple of pictures. And the post reads as follows. So yeah, on my 43rd birthday, I was totally unbelievable. Thanks to my fabulous sister, Al. And I sang with NYU's All University Gospel Choir. I saw their promo flyer in the library. So I decided to try out. Guess what? I made the cut. During their spring 2009 semester, I had the opportunity to minister alongside a group of bright, considerate, inspiring, and loving college students led by the talented Prisca Neely. They welcomed me, a complete stranger with no ID to enter their building. A choir member would either meet me or security would grant me entrance once I became a familiar face. It was a wilderness period for me as I waited on God for a new job or admittance to a doctoral program. These students simply allowed me to just be. We sang, laughed, and even did some line dancing. I also found a long lost cousin, 
constant gibbs in the choir. At their end of semester party, they gave me their Encourager Award. Thank you, NYU AUGC. You will never know how much you touched my life that spring 2009 semester. Much love to all of you. Hashtag NYU AUGC is amazing. Hashtag 27 Days to 50. Hashtag Social Media Memoir. And I share this because, as I mentioned, I was in a wilderness place, and I just happened upon this particular flyer. And as many of you might know, and certainly Wyatt knows about NYU, you just can't get into their buildings, okay? And a friend of mine came to one of our concerts. I performed two concerts with them. And she looked at me and she said, Vanita, how are you singing with these young people? And I'm like, I'm just having a great time. She said, do they know anything about you? I said, no. She's like, how did you get into the building? I'm like, well, I kind of got friendly with security. And then some of the choir members would hang out and wait for me and let me into the building. And I'm trying to set the stage because these young people knew nothing about me. I needed a place to go and simply just be. And to be honest, and I'm not trying to underestimate underestimate myself, I was shocked that they gave me the Encourager Award because they have no idea, and hopefully they read from this post, though, how much they encourage me just by being themselves. And they had such beautiful spirits. And I went into their space with so much respect, understanding the age difference, and so much humility, and I just wanted to open myself to whatever God was going to do during that semester. And he did such beautiful, beautiful things. And I just thank God that they saw something in me that they would give me that certificate of encouragement. And if I could offer a practical suggestion today, it would simply be to say, try affirming with little things they could make a big difference in someone's life. Little things from a smile, a kind gesture, an affirming text, taking some time to chat with someone who is experiencing homelessness. I know there is someone who lives uh, by our home and I see her pretty much every morning and sometimes I'll take the time to sit with her and talk to her. And one time we passed and we shared some pleasantries and we were about to leave and she's like, love you. And I'm like, love you too. And I said to Todd, oh my gosh, we just said we loved her. That was amazing. Like it just, it just flowed. And you, and she touched us. She encouraged us just by those words. And God opened so many doors for us to just share little things to make a big difference in someone's life. And as I mentioned, my experience with NYU, that was an experience of just being, just being present, a present that was able to make a difference. So you never know how much your presence could make a difference in someone's life. So as I reflect on the various talks during our sermon series, Living and Loving Together, I envision the various pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Growing up, we used to visit my cousins in Nyack, New York, and my Aunt Mary had a hobby of solving these puzzles. As I can recall, many of the pictures were of beautiful nature scenes. There were times when we would visit, and all of the pieces 
sometimes 500 or so pieces would be spread out across the table. And then we would visit another time. And like magic, the pieces would be perfectly fit together. As followers of Jesus, we don't have to fit perfectly to live and love together. And even if we did perfectly fit together, it would be perfectly imperfect. As followers of Jesus, we're not going for that perfect fit. We're making a bid for connection, as our pastor Sarah talks about so often. And when we make that bid for connection, we do that by some of the topics that we've discussed during the series. We learn to listen. We find out what's going on deep down. We have a sense of belonging. And like today, through affirmation. When these pieces come together and connect, there is peace. There is healing. There is restoration, unity, and strength. Beauty and healing are evident when we can affirm people in their myriad of identities and encourage them and their connection to God, to self, and to others. It helps us create a harmonious environment so that we can be free to live the abundant life that Jesus talks about. This is life in all of his fullness. We don't coexist in a perfect environment, but an environment full of grace and love where we can let the gift of encouragement flourish. It is the type of gift that keeps on giving. Because as we affirm others, we too become fortified and renewed and it allows us to feel the love and it helps us to live and love together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this story of Barnabas and we thank you for the legacy of encouragement that he left us. We thank you for all of the people who have encouraged us. And we thank you, God, for all of the people that we've been able to encourage. We pray now that as a result of these words, that we would go forth energized and renewed and with a desire and passion to be able to affirm and lift up the life of others in a very simplistic way, because we know that can make a huge difference. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.